I'm Fathery. I'm Starfleet Boims. And this is Text Trek. Yeehaw! <laughs> Engage. Uh, that was great. Uh, <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> welcome back aboard the Starship Texas for the 152nd installment of the Tex Trek podcast, the home of Star Trek fandom from deep in the heart of Texas, where we have deep talks about Star Trek, and sometimes we invite this crazy Florida man on board to uh, discuss Star Trek with us. We have the the great Starfleet boy or Starfleet Boims here to talk about Kayshawn, his eyes open, the second episode of the second season of Star Trek Lower Decks. I have been so excited about this discussion because uh, Text Trek really breaks it down in a fun and detailed way. And oh my gosh, this episode has so much to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of fun stuff to talk about in this one. And this is kind of a, a big week for us right now. We just had the birthday. What was it? Yesterday, the day of recording. It was yesterday, the 100th anniversary, the centennial of the great bird of the galaxy of Gene Roddenberry himself, who was born here in the Lone Star State of Texas. That's true. I forgot, I failed to mention on my live stream yesterday, but shout out to Gene Roddenberry, the creator, <laughs> the great bird of the galaxy. It was also Jonathan Frakes's 69th birthday yesterday so uh commander Riker <laughs> is 69 <laughs> yes somehow that's fitting <laughs> and uh i don't know if you know this um so hell but i didn't ever want to call you so hell or starfleet boy or starfleet you, poems there's too many you can, options you can talk, talk call me either one whatever you like except florida man limit that one if you don't mind <laughs> <laughs> well he wasn't he wasn't born in florida he's a transplant <laughs> that's true that's true but this is the one year anniversary. I think tomorrow it's the one year anniversary of hashtag TQIF. We started calling it TQIF, I think, August 21st of of last year of 2020. That's amazing. Holy so one year of, of hashtag TQIF every Friday night. While we're celebrating Star Trek, the official Twitter account just reached 500,000 followers which baffled me i thought star trek would have like millions so we got to really boost star trek and make sure that that account gets like millions and millions of followers so there's just a lot to celebrate and yeah those of you who listen to the podcast who don't watch us on on youtube we always uh stream these live on fridays at 7 30 and then starfleet boy does his after dark show on one of his channels he has multiple channels because he's he's <laughs> that cool of a cat these days um <laughs> But uh, we are going to discuss this episode, uh, Kayshawn, His Eyes Open. It's a lot of fun to have this uh, weekly Star Trek back. And I see we have several people. I'm trying to say hi to everyone 
yeah, Bra- hey, Braxton, Jill, Pastel Tass Pirate. Tass is so here. If, oh, so cool. uh, nice, Tass. Uh, so if you are here, uh, please feel free to comment and be part of the conversation as we discuss this episode. Uh, but yeah, we're do- let's just go ahead and give our opening statements. Uh, so hell, what would you like to say just to kind of give a broad description of, of your reaction, your thoughts and feelings on Kayshawn as eyes open, and then we'll go talk about it in greater detail. Uh, I think just in broad strokes, I'll just say I was having fun from start to finish, and I've seen it like three times now, and it's still fun. In fact, it's more fun. Um, one of the reasons I look forward to coming here is because when I did my other live stream, it's more of a reaction, and I miss so much. Uh, and Lower Decks just has so much to appreciate, you know, so much packed in that there's a lot to appreciate. So um, I'm looking forward to seeing where the season's going. I've got some ideas and theories from this one so based on a little dialogue here and there. And I'm sure we'll talk about it when we get to those scenes. Uh, and uh, yeah, I was like a little nervous uh, last week, uh, like everyone else. Uh, but this episode has kind of got me back into the the hype that, you know, the hype state that I I was in about Lower Decks season two premiering, and I'm like, oh, now I think this season's going to be wild. <laughs> you were pretty happy last week, though, as I recall. Yeah, I gave it a high rating, but um, I was just I was just nervous because, like, you know, in the discussions, you kind of like when you know, as we all talk, like, I hear differing opinions, and I was hearing more on the other side of like, oh, this is the premiere wasn't as exciting, you know. Yeah, you did have the most positive reaction out of anyone I I discussed that episode with. Right. Uh, not just on on the show, but but anyone else. Uh, however, um, are you done? I was assuming you were done. Oh yeah, yeah, no, no, okay. totally. Thank just you. making sure I wasn't cutting you off. Um, <laughs> yeah. However, I am very thrilled with this week's episode. I really liked it. It was uh, a great thing to uh, follow up on the the first episode of the season, which. You know, like we were saying, it was a little underwhelming for me. I don't think last week's episode was bad, but it didn't seem to be of the same caliber as most of that second half of season one. And so this kind of feels like a little bit more of like a return to form. Uh, it, you know, it showed that, oh, yeah, that, that wasn't just like a fluke, that second half of season one. Like this, this show has a lot of potential. You know, they ain't ran it into the ground yet. Uh, so I'm, I was very happy. I... Uh, loved the the writing in this i thought there was actually some really impressive uh editing the way that they were able to take these two b stories and amp the stakes up in both and cut back and forth and it 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 really felt very um even though they're kind of thematically not that similar stories just like the 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 rise and fall of the the tension and the danger and everything paralleled each other really great kind of connected those two things and it was it, stuff like that's hard to do in like a 24 minute little animated thing uh, speaking of the animation though it looks so gorgeous the animation it's quality has improved it's not it's not just the ship there's more uh there's more character animation i think the the lighting which was has always been great has gotten even more dynamic so it is it is a sharp looking slick show uh and even more so now in season two than it was in season one there were some things that annoyed me in this episode but they were all kind of contained like the last two minutes or so which was kind of a unfortunate way to end the episode but it didn't really hurt anything i still overall had a blast with this let's get to it (laughs) (laughs) well i'm going to just break down the 
the episode. Uh, we're going to take it kind of storyline by storyline, and we'll uh, do the A story first, the uh, Cerritos story with some of the uh, new characters we get. Uh, well, not new. I guess Jet isn't new, uh, but Jet returns, and we get the new character of Kayshawn. He's so funny. Um <laughs> Well, the uh, the the actual a story here is that there is a mission to deal with Kerner Hawes, this collector, like a collector we saw in the Next Generation way back in the day. Um, and he's the same species as Rivas Fajo, right? I think so. He, he's he's definitely like that same style. Um, yeah. But yeah, he's died. He has like this big collection. The crew is going to be assigned to sort through it, catalog it, get all the dangerous stuff out of there. And we get our new character, Kayshawn, the Tamarian, or the, the child yep. of Tamra. I always want to call him the, the children <laughs> of Tamra. Uh, but, but yeah, he, he is the uh, new member of the Cerritos crew. And we have Jet kind of filling in for Boimler on Beta Shift jet manhaver right is that how you say his last name or man i didn't catch that yeah so i get yeah <laughs> manaver manhaver i like manhaver <laughs> He's the, the, that's how the uh <laughs> the, the captions spelled it like m-a-n-h-a-v-e-r but he says it real fast he's like manaver to cerritos or something like that before uh, they use okay. communication he has this this rivalry with mariner that i i kind of enjoyed in the episode is you know starting off at the very <laughs> beginning what, what do you think of like that opening with like the the sonic showers I, at first i was like oh so, communal sonic showers like i was like oh that makes sense like you know things like that i was like but then when the gag started with like amping it up i was i was actually gonna be like oh no come on what are they doing but when their noses started to bleed i lost my shit i was like i was cracking up it was <laughs> they, they, excuse me they took a joke that um i thought was gonna be like in somehow like just dumb and they made it brilliant with that little touch at the end it was it was awesome i like how they used the animation and this is something that i don't think would have worked very well if they tried to do it in live action but the way that they used the animation of the sonic effect to blur the nudity it was funny yeah. kind of like that funny self-aware way and i yeah, i kind of totally. prefer like this kind of self-awareness than like characters like uh you know saying things we say in real life as fans like you know call people red shirts or you know stuff like that <laughs> Or you know, say like like uh, Khan had that amazing chest, you know, like this this felt a little mm -hmm. bit uh, cheekier, you know, mm -hmm. a little bit more clever use of like the uh, the the meta storytelling. I love the sonic showers. This kind of made me want to take a sonic shower. It looks like it's fun. <laughs> I don't think it would ever be as refreshing as like a natural like hot shower, you know. But we have all these actors now that are talking about like how, how they don't take showers anymore. Like all these actors are saying like, Oh yeah. Like I don't it's bathe my kids. I don't take showers. I saw that. So I, I don't know. I guess we are like moving away from showering in general. I, I was surprised uh, uh, to hear that, but so on paper, sonic showers sound awesome because they probably clean you just as good as water does. And I imagine the sensations are, are different. Like that you probably get some sort of rush from it uh, at at those in, especially at those intense levels i guess it turns into pain but uh <laughs> but i don't know i kind of want to kind of want to try it like i don't know if you've ever used um those belt things that like jiggle you like and they're not used anymore but have you, have you seen them like at the gym i've seen them in like movies and stuff but i don't know i think it'd be more like a sonic toothbrush than a <laughs> jiggler belt 
It might feel nice having your whole body rub with sonic sensations. <laughs> That's all I gotta say. They are scrubbing though. <laughs> but yeah, that was a that was a cool way to kind of show this uh competitive nature. And also that Mariner is missing Boimler, you know, when she's like, Oh well, you know, Boimler usually leaves that stall open and he's like, Well, I'm not Boimler. And they're just kind of they're like real competitive, you know, throughout this entire mission that they're on. And it's just like a cool idea. It's like, okay, this is a story that would be told in a classic Trek show where, okay, we would have like Jordy or Worf or someone take like a bunch of security dudes or some, you know, some like unnamed lower deck characters off to do like some little mission. And so, yeah, we're just seeing it from like their perspective because their yeah. leader gets turned into a puppet. And this, <laughs> this collection room, though, is just packed full of Gorn eggs. We're going to have a, we're going to have fun trying to, to go Gorn through these later fest. in the show. Yeah. Uh, are you gonna re- are are you by any chance you're gonna use the um, Aaron's list? Yes. Uh, so that's excellent. <laughs> uh, more on that later. Yes. Uh, but th- one of the one of the funny <laughs> things that they add it's not actually you know something from previous Trek it was an invention of the show was the Kalis fornication helmet. It's amazing. I need one. <laughs> looks awfully a lot like the uh peter jackson sauron. movie uh, sauron yeah, so it looks like sauron's helmet certainly <laughs> it certainly does <laughs> but yeah that, be, that becomes a a plot point later we don't know it at first but the uh the the, the commissioner who the of the collector's guild who uh, chairman siggy i think is his name who is the <laughs> one who's like employing starfleet so i guess they established you know there's like a lot there's like a whole like little organization of these collectors and I guess sometimes yeah. they're on good terms with Starfleet or, you know, at least like they can agree to like do like these joint missions, you know, for the good, like public safety. You don't want anything dangerous to get out there. But yeah, that, Ziggy, like he, he really wanted that fornication helmet and he triggered the the booby traps and the painting comes alive and and turns poor uh, Kayshawn into the into the puppet. That was a great uh, scene. And uh, <laughs> the puppet Ray, uh, <laughs> I was like, what the heck's happening? I thought they were going to kill him. in in the like when I first saw it, I thought, what? I would like, have been disappointed if they killed. I was really hoping he'd be a recurring character, so I was happy yeah, that too. he made it through the episode. Me too, totally. And I think from the little teaser, uh, you know, now that I think of it, you could probably speculate that he's in in more. But yeah, for a mo, just for a moment, I was like, "What? What is this show doing right now?" And then when he turned into the puppet, I was just like <laughs> in stitches. And I also want that puppet. It's like the best thing ever. <laughs> and I like that they gave him like a little heroic moment, and and as. More than that, I should go back to like when he first comes onto the bridge, when he's speaking his uh, Tamarian language, the way that they play that like, oh, are they not going to be able to communicate with this guy? And then he's like, oh no, I'm sorry, like my universal translator is just having a little bit of a hard time. I was like, okay, cool, like he's actually going to be like a functional person of the crew, a functional person in Starfleet, and uh, the, then you know we see him like kind of chit chat with with the crew with jet when he has like that more like the suck up of tanagra moment or like when he talks to tindy <laughs> about like oh maybe uh maybe he enjoyed the you know the isolation here and then he tries to save tindy from the puppet ray and he that's actually the reason why he got zapped so he had like a little heroic beat so yeah like i like this yeah. character and I, I like that he, he has like a little bit not a, a ton of depth but there is a certainly a, a degree of dimension added yeah i agree i i like the character um he seems like he's gonna be um a really good 
character and he is a warrior so that's kind of cool that they brought like you know someone who knows how to fight so we haven't seen him fight yet but i'm sure we'll see it at some point um but yeah he's 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 an amazing addition and uh boat wreck and our audience is saying that the references are getting tiresome much much like his complaints i don't i don't think he's complained about lower decks enough to for it to be tiresome uh but uh i i definitely can understand that like when they first started showing glimpses of this episode in the season trailer and they showed uh all the uh paintings on the walls and the little fin of the inner light satellite and stuff stuff that we'll go over in the gornags i was like oh man like they're still doing this they're still trying to like pack in all like these little visual callbacks but the way that like some of these are like such obscure things that really made me scratch my head i was like okay well you did put in some effort and there's one really cool one that we'll uh talk about when we get just to one it. only one i can't wait to hear it. <laughs> well one <laughs> especially cool one <laughs> i have a lot of faith in the the makers of the show but you know uh like with anything um you run the risk of overplaying a gag or overplaying a, a feature or something like that but i i i think they're gonna i think they're gonna like balance it out in the rest of the season but we'll we'll see what happens uh it you know after all like from what we learned from season one lower decks is not just an easter egg show it's not just a reference show it's not just a parody it 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 kind of somehow doing all these things at the heart of it it kind of transcends all that and it's a real star trek show like it's it's like a legit story that i'm enjoying following and i'm enjoying like these characters and i'm enjoying like the the world building that they're doing even though it's in a comedic way there's a lot of like amazing world building for star trek so i appreciate the show a lot i don't know if there's that much world building i get well i take that back because i was just saying like you know we have like the the collector's guild yeah, uh, but even that also... it's just kind of it's just kind of tacking some additional detail onto something that's previously been established well, uh, the whole second contact fleet is a whole addition, a new addition that yeah. I, I don't remember. You know, I mean, like, that's like something. And then just like the perspective, too, of the lower deckers, like it's done in a, this is like a new kind of perspective, I think. Again, it is done in a parody or a, a fun fat, you know, in a funny fashion. But at the heart of it, it does deal with like a lot of real things. Like last season, there was a lot about workers rights and unions and things like, you know, like just there's a lot of like really great like how I, I I appreciated how in season one it got me at least conscious about like is my company treating me fairly you know like based on the way the lower deckers are treated by Starfleet because Starfleet especially in the TNG era for me I compare it to like work environments like you know especially very familiar highly technical work environments which we have nowadays I'm probably going a little too far with this but <laughs> but it but I think the show has a, a huge message and a huge heart and I don't think it's lost track of that at least not yet well one of the one of the unique things about the show that one of the reasons why I think it works as well as it does is there aren't many you know animated comedies like this that are, or at least not that I've been aware of that I've been exposed to. They're like this high quality of animation and voice casting and voice acting that has this sheer optimism to it. And it kind of like, you know, celebrates these these people, you know, kind of outsider type characters, but like with their weird idiosyncrasies and, you know, like yeah, Tindy and Rutherford, like nerding out over Starfleet stuff or, you know, Boimler giving a speech that we'll talk about in a minute about how <laughs> he liked the, uh, the string quartets on the Enterprise or, 
you know, Mariner uh, being kind of Kirk-like, willing to, you know, bend the rules for the greater good and having like the, the judgment to do that and, and perhaps growing to be responsible for when she calls things wrong. Like we'll talk about a little bit in this episode. Yeah. And, and you know, it doesn't have like that, that cynicism of, I'm not saying like Rick and Morty's bad. I, I actually have not, not watched much Rick and Morty at all. I've seen a little bit of the first two seasons, but it's just like, that has a very like, it's a smart show, but it has a very like dark cynicism and a very dark sense of humor and, you know, I, I like that there is a show like Lower Decks that presents that Star Trek optimism in a very unique fashion. Well said, Father. And yeah, there's not many, like I was saying, it's also, you know, a rare animated comedy that checks all those boxes. I feel like someone's going to know uh, the answer to this, but to me, it feels like the first time, like, uh, an, an, a franchise, quote unquote, is parodying itself, like, on in, like, a serious, consistent way, <laughs> like, not just, like, a one-off special or something like that, because Doctor Who certainly has parodied itself, parodied itself with, you know, with, like, works like they do for the Red Nose Day and stuff like that. But it's, like, built around that idea of, dude. I mean, like, yeah. you know, like, in the yeah. Star Trek Into Darkness, when Kirk is, like, telling Chekhov, you know, better go find a red shirt, mister, and it plays, like, the ominous mm-hmm. music. Uh, but mm-hmm. th- this is like an entire show of stuff like that. Of stuff like, like that, Not yeah. just like a moment. And I can't think of anything else like that. It's amazing. Well, let's talk about like this this conflict between uh, Jet and Mariner, because I, I think that was kind of the core of, of the A story here. And I like that it allowed them to show like some some growth uh through mariner you know and also it showed like the team being like really competent trying to you know work together when they're like tindy shoot at this and you know rutherford pass me the puppet and all of that and it's the the only like negative stuff that happens in this episode doesn't come from like any of the characters being incompetent it comes from the commissioner being a greedy jerk and (laughs) that wonderful gorn egg of of the spock two skeleton that we'll talk about yeah that is a 50 foot spock clone 50 foot tall spot clone <laughs> skeleton that kills this guy he's called what do they call him? mega spock in the episode i can't I, I'm, it's been so long he's called spock two spock two okay. yeah like That's the sequel <laughs> a scientist dude he's like behold i oh give you gosh. spock two uh, <laughs> but well, we some... should watch that it's <laughs> awesome it's when amazing. i saw that on screen you know that that giant uh spock if it was a comic book, it would be like a two-page splash, yes. is what we would call it. 100%. But yeah, it's just, the, the, so just like that that wide skeleton shot. I was I, I was watching this at like two in the morning alone in my living room, <laughs> and I was just sitting there in my recliner, and I yelled out, "Oh my god!" because I knew exactly what it was, and it was morbid, but also I I, I know a little bit behind the scenes of this actually, and I'll I'll, I'll mention it in the You'll share eggs, it, but sure. One quick note on that though. Um, uh, so I'm a I was subscribed of course because I did last year to the T-shirt collective the the subscription mm-hmm. and while I'm happy with the second shirt I really wish it would have been the the Spock because that would have been perfect for what is it? Spock two for Halloween it would have been so amazing tell us what it is though to, <laughs> oh it's Boimler it's the dual it's two Boimlers so it's the two Boimlers it's twin Boimlers which I'm fine with but but I would have loved maybe they'll do a, a special release of. <laughs> <laughs> for Halloween of Spock 2's bones. <laughs> well, when they were showing the trailer for the season and it showed them like shooting or being shot at by like these flying disc things, I thought those were like the stuff <laughs> the that they, they train with on the holodeck sometimes where there's, 
You know, there's oh. fl- floating like Seven of Nine and Janeway did it, and Picard and Guinan went on the holodeck. They were shooting at these things, but no, I guess they're like actually like Roombas. They're like vacuums because they they like. I guess they clean the collection as well as defend it, and they kind of look like Roombas. But yeah, like when Mariner has that line, like, oh, "What are they gonna do? Suck us to death?" and then it starts like <laughs> sucking her her cheek, and she's like, "Oh my god, they're gonna suck us to death!" And we get the uh, the the bone barricade to keep them out, and that's where I love that they took the time to have this moment here. This is why this episode works so well for me. Is one, I think, like the jokes are smart. Two, I think like. They do show the people being competent and good at their job on a level that, that kind of like Lower Decks doesn't always doesn't always do for an entire episode. But here, when Mariner shows character growth, that's one of the things I wanted the most in this season was character growth. When she tells Jet, you know, this is all my fault. I should have just thought for two seconds before I pissed off those Roombas or whatever they are. <laughs> and then Jet saying like, no, well, you know, you know, we were following my plan. And that's when they get the the conclusion of like oh maybe neither of us should take charge we should try to include rutherford and tindy and and then the they're the ones who come up with a solution <laughs> uh, another classic callback of using the excalibur bones to secrete <laughs> acid which is very convenient but it does uh you know lead them to their escape <laughs> but uh there's not much else on the the a story that that happens but just the the visuals were so like overwhelming in a good way i you know yeah. i love that that collector room um and i i can understand you know if someone does find that to be tiresome uh but you know for me it was just kind of a thrill to see all of that and then the the action was well animated and then like the the growth we get in mariner um i had a a really good time and 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 the the funny line of you know what do you tell the captain in the situation and then tindy just without missing a beat kayshawn when he became a puppet you know, uh, but yeah, do you, have, do you have anything else to add to the to the ace story? No, I think you said it really great. Uh, and you, and and I know there's I know we're going to probably we want to save some time for the Gorn eggs because I feel like that's where the bulk of, of the thoughts I have are. So, yeah, no, but that that, that whole part was really cool. Uh, I do like the B plot a lot better, which we'll get I'm, we're going into next. But yeah, th- that was all cool. Um, yeah the the b story is really good i i liked both of them a lot uh but one one other little comment i want to add in here is just like tindy's uh remarks about the kalos fornication helmet when she's like oh well you know safety first <laughs> when she sees i mean we know from past star trek stories that klingon sex can be a little rough but uh without without going into too much detail on that just when when she sees the dude he was trying to sneak out with the uh the kalos helmet and she's like ah you pervert and then she's like immediately like oh no judgment like 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 she was like mad at the guy but then she's like oh i don't want to kink shame him i don't know i just like a little bit of consideration with tindy she's a real sweetheart yeah, she's a sweetheart. And tonight on Starfleet After Dark, I declare that we might do a fan fiction, a live fan fiction, uh, a fanfic for Kalos's, uh <laughs> fornication helmet. Oh, well, <laughs> um, if you want to uh, lose subscribers, that's one way to do it. <laughs> <laughs> right, I don't know. Maybe maybe there's a crowd that's into, into fornication helmet live streams uh, i guess we'll find out tonight it won't be the whole episode it'll just be a segment <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about this b story then on the titan how exciting was that to spend uh like half an, an episode i guess it's really it was yes. like half 
of a, a short, you know, half hour show, but still, you know, half of this story on on the USS Titan, I thought was really exciting. Yeah, totally. Uh, and it, it's a it's a great looking ship. Um, I was never fond of the Luna class from like the few times I'd seen illustrations of it, but oh, seeing really? it in action, I love I, think, I yeah. love this ship class. I think it looks beautiful from every angle. I love the design that went into it. I, I was always frustrated. It's such a beautiful ship, which is like on like some book covers, and then Star Trek Online's <laughs> like, I, I need this to be a real ship on screen. Well, I never again. I guess I never spent enough time with it um enough to like mm. appreciate it but yeah especially this angle you chose that's a gorgeous uh that's a beautiful profile you know like a uh yeah it's a, it's a it's a sweet ship i would not mind uh i would not mind having that in my collection <laughs> Speaking you, you of should, i have i have the eagle moss of it actually it, oh, it was okay, the, it was cool. the only non-canon ship i wanted in my fleet but it's canon now so yeah yeah, it certainly um, is official. And you should check out the uh, Trekyard uh, videos they, they've done. They, they've actually, like, brought the designer. You know, this was, like, years ago, but they brought the designer on. He talked about, like, the elements he borrowed from previous ships and stuff. So really, if you're into uh, ship porn, you know, definitely do a deep dive on the Luna class on the Titan because there's a, there's a lot of good content out there if, if you're into that. Some people don't care about the ships. They just care about the stories and the characters, and they're probably like, shut up and move on, but... In text trek we we go deep we we talk about it from all the different <laughs> angles you know well well and to be fair like um the new the the shows of this era don't seem to care about the ships except lower decks i think lower decks is really like especially this season with the miranda class like beauty shots that we got and like you know kind of like the highlight of that just all through the cerritos there's always a they always take a moment like the beginning of this episode was like a nice moment to just like see the cerritos it starts on that you know and i did rewatch star trek discovery recently and there is definitely like ship love but it's like not the same they don't they don't very quick uh, they don't do the establishing (laughs) shots as much as we're used to from previous star trek yeah because because it's a little faster paced show you know they don't do like those slow lingering shots just like the ship cruising around in space but that's what we we like that's what we expect from the decades of old star trek we had yeah. The you know again talking about like how good the animation is I think that opening battle with the packleds looked great even though it was only a few seconds long it was just enough time to show Boimler being in over his head but he I like I like that they didn't have like Boimler like being an idiot you know he's he's screaming yeah. he's scared but he's not like <laughs> you know when Riker's like Boimler attack pattern Delta which I think is what Luke Skywalker did at the Battle of Hoth. Uh, but it, anyways, it's, you know, like Boimler is like still able to like pilot the ship. He doesn't, you know, drop the ball or anything. This whole episode, yeah, he nails he's very the maneuvers exactly. Yeah. yeah, like yeah, he he he's not incompetent, but he's freaking out. Like it's not his. He's way out of his comfort zone. Yeah, for sure. Um, and even you know when we have like that that briefing room uh scene, you know, if if you're familiar with. Star Trek, especially Next Generation, you've seen a lot of these conference room sequences. Uh, he's kind of being a little bit, uh, uh, kind of being a little bit of a dork, you know, like writing everything down. And Riker's like, "You don't have to write everything down." And, and but he <laughs> he still doesn't like really like goof up or anything. He's just a guy who's like trying yeah. too hard. But you know, they reined it in, and I I like that. Uh, Shout out to Lower Decks for showing us the first Captain Riker story. Like, we this is the first time we're seeing Captain Riker in command 
and doing his thing. And yeah. you know what? Like it was pretty it's canonical it's anyways. Like yeah. the book readers yeah. are yelling like, I got no, a whole I series of No, I of get Titan it. Novels. I know what you're saying, but like on screen, just I'm just saying on screen, like, you know, like it made it to on screen. It's just like nice to see it. And Jonathan Frakes did a great job of like voicing it. I felt like I don't know, you know, I keep I guess I sound like a broken record, but it's funny, but it's reverential at the same time. Like the way they 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 do it, it's just like the mission briefing seems serious, like, you know, and there are funny moments. And of course, like the goofy looks and the boiler boiming up things, <laughs> you know, but <laughs> but overall, it's like a really solid plan. They're like trying to figure out who's behind the pack leads. Like there's a lot of there's a lot going on. There's, yeah, there's it's it's really cool. And Mike McMahon's talked about that in season one. He said that with Lower Decks, he had to make it super respectful of Star Trek and also look like Star Trek because the show was going to be, first of all, it was going to be animated. There's going to be a cartoon and it was going to be a comedy. So it was going to be completely different from any other Star Trek show. So in order to make it feel like Star Trek in the areas where he could make it, more like what we think of as star trek he had to like dial it up like okay like go all the way hard star trek here because the rest of the show is going to be so unconventional for star trek and that that was very very smart of him to have that awareness because yeah like in some ways that you could experiment in some of the live action shows you probably shouldn't do that here because this is already so far off the beaten path you need to maintain that connection and and reckon recognizability what's what's the word there uh, I think that's I, I'm I'm struggling with that, but I think you <laughs> I, I understand what you're saying, so I think you nailed it. Yeah, but just, <laughs> Audience but just keep, keep it recognizable where you can. Yeah, what we're talking about Familiar, here with yeah. they 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 set up the 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 pack leads seem to have a, a a ringleader, a puppet master, someone who's pulling the strings, manipulating them. Uh, yeah. And it's so hard to tell who it is because Packleds are infamous for stealing technology. So, like, even though they have Klingon uh, disruptors, we can't say for sure that the Klingons are behind it. The Packleds may have just duped the Klingons and stolen that. So it's going to be interesting to find out who it actually is. Uh, but, yeah, they're they're trying to weaponize Veruvian ore from the mines of Carzel uh, 4. So we get this undercover <laughs> shuttle mission to, to infiltrate the, the mines and... I, I like the scene on the shuttle going down to the planet where the the officers are kind of poking fun at the Enterprise uh, from Next Generation and Boimler's kind of sad to, like, hear them, like, yeah. make fun of, like, how wussy the Next Generation was. But I don't – I love the Next Generation, but it does seem like to be, like, the show that so many people think is, like, the best ever. And to me, it's kind of the vanilla Star Trek. I'm sorry, but it's just – to but, me, it's okay. not as exciting as, like, the original series or Deep Space Nine or a bunch of other stuff. That being said, I I I love TNG. It's like my core programming, and mm-hmm. I was laughing at this because it's so true. <laughs> like this is like this 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 gag was great, but it's also genius in in terms of like by doing this gag, you I felt bad about liking it and laughing at it, but and then like I feel like so it 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 made Boimler's speech land even heavier and like better later on in the episode. So yeah. it's 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 a good scene. It, it, it's yeah, just it's a good setup to that. Yeah. And, yeah exactly you know, it's not just like boimler being like the the wimp or whatever you know like he's actually the hero out of this out of this group out of out of this group of officers and if you want to put the extra work to think about like this place in the star trek timeline you gotta keep in mind this is after the dominion war 
this is prop you know based on what we know about picard they might have like some zotvash infiltration going on this this is at a time right. when when starfleet is like more militaristic you know like the borg were a big threat they fought this dominion war and i li- kind of like the idea of the titan being this this badass tough warship and riker kind of wishing that he was doing the more exploratory stuff of, of the next generation I just got goosebumps when you said that because I the the whole this whole episode I was like can we get a Titan show like I know it can't be live action like the the main star is a little older but his voice is perfect he could voice like it could just be like this different I just want it I I know Lord X is awesome and I love comedy but I would love a Titan show that's like more in the style of like Marvel's What If and and shows like that you know like it'd be amazing or like Prodigy <laughs> or Prodigy what yeah Prodigy's exactly. gonna be I kind of like the Titans place here I kind of like. The Titan being available for lower decks to use as as they as they need, um, but uh, sure that would be cool. I would definitely you know watch that if they made it. Yeah, like I props to lower decks again for bringing the Titan into it and Riker and all that. Like so they deserve to own it. But I'm just saying when lower decks is done with it, <laughs> let's let's consider some more. <laughs> how how cool is it by the way that if if the Titan's supposed to be like this badass warship that. At the end of Star Trek Nemesis, when Riker gets promoted, you know, like he says, like, oh, I'm taking the Titan to Romulus to, you know, help negotiate the the new peace agreement or whatever. It's like, yeah. OK, uh, they just had like this major military battle with the Romulans and the Remans and all this stuff. So like the Federation is going to send like a tough ship to go negotiate and put Riker there. Yeah. So it's kind of like it's kind of like waving the stick uh at the romulans yeah. I, I so we can retroactively throw that into the timeline and think about that so i think that's that, that's cool it would be a beautiful arc to create like uh hodgepodge style because you already have kind of like riker's end story in picard you know where he ends up and so there's a wealth of places to fill in and lower decks is doing that like i love that and and you know it was sad not to see uh marina Sirtis return but at the same time there's a legit reason why she's not on the bridge and she might be gone is that it might correlate with when thaddeus Riker uh was born and she might be just in there you know like taking care she might have been like will this is too dangerous uh i need to go back to beta z and i need to like be with you know my family there and 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 just until that is a little older and then we can bring him back on the show oh, yeah. or something yeah know? i don't know why troy is not in these episodes they said a while back that marina certes wasn't going to be in season two so i wasn't expecting to see her but maybe that is because they were thinking like oh that bad kid is supposed to be born around this time so uh i don't know is troy pregnant is she not let's just not show her that we don't have to deal with it which I don't is know. fine. I I think it's great. I I think I think it's great. And I, I don't know. They might like drop a. You know, we we don't know the. We're just in the beginning stages. We're all speculating about what the rest of the season is. So I'm hoping there's something. <laughs> you know, maybe maybe up. the the when they were writing, they're like, oh, we don't really have room for Troy to do anything meaningful. So let's just leave yeah. her out until we have like a good reason to bring her back to the show. Or you know, maybe Marina was busy. I don't know the the reasoning. I'm, I'd be curious to find out. I just want to just want to point out that Jill in the comments said that TNG is her favorite, and yeah, I know that's a lot of people's favorite, and I I, I feel like kind of the weirdo for saying like that's oh, kind of only like my third favorite Star Trek, well, kind of my fourth, depending if you count the animated series as part of TOS or not. But uh, yeah, that's right. I would put the animated series above Next Generation. I know I'm the only person <laughs> who would do that, but I love the original <laughs> series. I love the animated series. Uh, they're kind of the same thing to me, but. Yeah, just to me, like, the next generation, it's kind of like the vanilla Star Trek, though. It's, like, it's the least 
uh, original. It's kind of like the, like the default. It's wow. like a little bit more generic. The least original, Father. Thanks. It is, no, it is the least original. <laughs> like you know, we talked about this before, but like you know, the original series it has like that '60s style. Uh, you know, Voyager. Yeah. That's the weird one. They're off in the Delta Quadrant, Deep Space Nine. They're on this crazy Cardassian station with this Ferengi bar. To, you know, it's unlike any other <laughs> Star Trek show. Discovery is certainly unlike anything else. Uh, Lower Decks. There's never been an animated comedy before. Prodigy is going to be something new and, and totally different than anything else before enterprise they tried to go back and make like this new uh prequel show in a time period we'd never explored before but yeah next generation it's a it's a show in the 24th century on a ship called the enterprise uh so yeah there's three other 24th century shows or well no i guess there's like five now but there's other shows are like a ship called the enterprise exploring the galaxy it's just like yeah there, it, 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 it's fine you know, being what it is, it's it's very good. Yeah. It's a very great show. But... I also I also like that there's precedence for there being different flavors in Star Trek starting from that era because that kind of like helps people who don't like you know what I mean? Like sure. you have your TNG flavor, you have your DS9 flavor, you have your Voyager flavor, and you have your Enterprise flavor. They're all different flavors, you know. Yeah, at the time it was just proving like, look, you can do Star Trek without Kirk and Spock. You don't need them. Yeah. This is a vast yeah. universe. You can do all kinds of stories. And then, Absolutely. you know, Deep Space Nine took it a step further. Be like, oh, yeah, you don't even need an Enterprise. You can do it on a space station. So, yeah, it, it, it's perfect for what it is. It's just, to me, it's just it, not one of my, uh, it's not my favorite show. That's okay. We're not here to convince you, Father. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I like my DS9 more and I like my original series more. But uh, we'll we'll move on and talk about the uh, the minds of, the undercover mission to uh Carzel 4 and and the the gung-ho titan officers i i love when <laughs> boimler is trying to convince the miner that he's a fellow miner he's like dude i can tell you're starfleet <laughs> that cracked me up and the the pack i like that he says uh, it's because you have soft clean hands or something like oh, yeah. that <laughs> like, um, it was like really funny the, the pack leads had or the the leads that first officer lady she called she she's like watch out we have a lead over here like in the captions it was like apostrophe led <laughs> so it's like a slang term for pack leads yeah they had a collection of of what looked like uh beef jerky and cheeto puffs <laughs> yeah like, what is disguised under like, their armor like, it doesn't make any sense like why would you disguise that as like a they're hiding a it because it's their treasure it's their true so why treasure you, like, put it in a, so... a locker or something like why, why like stack up your armor around it <laughs> <laughs> or if maybe anything, they that's going to draw these... attention to it. That's going to draw attention to your to your snack. Starfleet, you stash. think we're dumb, but we got you with our stupid trap. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. This is a bad packlet. I don't know what that was. <laughs> but yeah, it, it is weird. But the packlets are just really effing weird. <laughs> yeah, I, I love the packlets as being like scary and dangerous though, and like the buff because they're out stupid and you know. Can I just? I'm going to get a little soapbox here because they're stupid and stupid is scary and dangerous as we've learned from like the real world uh <laughs> and that's yeah, all i'm gonna the, say the, i'll get the off pack my leads would be uh they, <laughs> the pack leads right now would be like uh going really hard on like the anti-vax side of things 100 percent, they would be going hard on the anti-vax stuff they <laughs> we'll leave it at that <laughs> but this is this is when boimler shines when everyone's like uh, yeah like, okay i guess we're awesome. gonna go out like badasses and, Bo and boimler's like no you know what's really badass is being like a big nerdy starfleet guy and you know i liked that Riker was doing all of that wacky stuff on the enterprise and 
all the artsy fartsy stuff and you know it's kind of like a defense of of that side of the franchise and kind of a, a reinforcing that that's an important core to star trek's identity i totally agree that makes it so easy to to forgive you know like these guys being kind of a kind of jerks you know about the next generation is when they're like oh yeah you know like i got into starfleet because i wanted to be a moss expert or because it was the one guy really liked beaming he says <laughs> it it was an awesome scene because it it plays off of that thing you said earlier about how like these guys have seen nothing but like you know hardship and war right like so they didn't start out that way it makes sense they're like you know they started out like (laughs) the moss thing was just genius like it was they started as as like wanting to be scientists and explorers and and it's so true and in a weird way like that's the thing is like the titans on the front lines and everything's still kind of honky-dory in boimler's world because the second contact fleet isn't out there on the front lines like protecting the borders of the federation it's in the federation establishing you know wi-fi and, and stuff <laughs> yeah, like that yeah. we're here to set up <laughs> like, your internet <laughs> we're here to set up your internet make sure everything you know like so boimler still in a weird way like this is again maybe i'm going too far with the analysis here but um it's it's a cool juxtaposition of like you know uh those who protect versus those who live the the life you know like and that's what Boimler's reminding them of what they're protecting, you know, and it's kind of a cool mm. thing. Yeah, and you know, there is like that military side of of Starfleet, but it's so much right. more than that. And yeah, he's he's reminding them of that. Yeah, and if I may just say like, you know, it's cool that Star Trek keeps asserting that they're not a military force, like you know, they they do say things like peacekeep, you know, throughout the dialogue in the different uh modern Yeah, they they flat shows. out say it in Star Trek Beyond. Scotty is like, yeah. "We're not a military organization." Right, 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 exactly. And I love that Star Trek keeps doing that. But the fact of the matter remains that there is a a portion of their duties that requires security and safety and protection. They, and that branch... Yeah, they, they, they provide is, military services for the Federation. Right, for the Federation, exactly. And so that branch is kind of like a branch that doesn't get to have the fun, right? And and you see it illustrated here uh, beautifully. And again, it's that character growth where they don't have boimler be the the dweeb he was in the beginning of season one yeah uh, you know when he's getting uh harassed by that cow spider or when he's crying in the alley uh, <laughs> in uh envoys <laughs> but no he he's not only the guy who is kind of like the the heart and soul of like the squad and he's the one who kind of you know reminds them of their true like starfleet values they're who want to be more meta again you know their star trekian values but also, he has the brains to save the day here and rescue everyone and get through the the transporter <laughs> interference and, and beam everyone up. And uh, th- 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 that's also a really funny audio gag with uh, when, when he's being beamed and he's kind of like stuck going like back and forth and you hear his like screaming cut in and out. It's like... yeah, that was really clever. That was using a very standard um, Star Trek uh I, well i don't want to say star trek convention because that's uh that, that would be confusing but it's a very like standard star trek um device or trope mechanic or, or trope, device yeah you know whatever you want to call it it was just the way that, you know the transporter sounds and everything and yeah having it fade in and out like that i don't know it's just it's it funny just cracks you it's up funny when you hear it. it's funny also that boiler's just like he got into a transporter accident last season too oh like, yeah when he was all know, fazy yeah, he's phasing, so it's like it's very fitting. Much ado about char- Boimler. 
<laughs> uh, he doesn't have so, a good yeah. time with transporters, does he? No. He's... Um, and, and then here, where he's he's transporter duplicated. <laughs> yeah. So... This was this was genius because it really solved and it, it it created a wonderful solution for a huge conundrum, as far as I'm concerned. Well, that's actually where I had a problem with the episode. Oh. It's not it's not a huge problem, but it's that thing that happens where you think up something, you kind of <laughs> forecast or predict something. And then what the show actually does is good, but it's not as good as what you imagined. That's why I try to not like. I try to not. What was like, your forecast? Theory, do you want to say? Craft. Do you run, want to remind us what you were going to think was going to happen? I was. I was thinking that maybe Boimler <laughs> decides he's not ready for the Titan, and oh, right. he says he wants to go back to the Cerritos, and then Riker encourages him to step back down and tells him, you know, look, I turn down promotions all the time. You know, when I was rising through the ranks, I I, I stayed on the Enterprise, you know, for seven seasons and. And then I stayed on the next Enterprise for a couple of mu- uh, couple of movies, and all that time, you know, I should have been accepting a promotion, according to everyone else, but I knew I wasn't ready. So In I a weird it. way, Fathery, and no pun intended, this is the best of both worlds. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't allow them to do more stuff with the Titan. I can't imagine that they're just going to write off this other Boimler and write no, off No, I think he's going to come see up more again. I. That's one of my predictions is is we haven't seen the last of William Boimler. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, and that was funny like... that he he takes Riker's name and, and just, just let me I love it. The, I love the look of the Titan interiors. It's very like one of my favorite eras of Star Trek is kind of like the the late nineties when yeah. one of like the the Rick Sternbach and John Eves designs were just on fire. Like the Enterprise E, the Prometheus, yeah. the uh, Nova class. Uh, you know, the Titan is obviously inspired by by that type of Deline philosophy, and yeah, I I love uh, Riker's ready room. I love seeing the the records. There's some gourd eggs in here that I'll talk about in a moment. But yeah, and then I I don't really get why like their personality seems to have become a little divergent. But uh, I don't know. Maybe that's something they'll bring up again. I think that's something they'll bring up. But I definitely think that's like a kind of like nod to TOS's uh, the is it the enemy within. Well, yeah, there's the no, enemy within, and then the and the next generation transporter split. It happened to Riker. Right. By the and way, Thomas I love that when definitely... he's like, "I heard this tune before." I like that. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't like hearing him say warp factor to five, six, seven. I it was like, okay, <laughs> I, I liked that the first time you did it, but it'll get old if you keep saying that. So, it, so yeah, it did no get more. interrupted though, which is funny. Yeah, like, it needed to be. He was inter- They did like cut the gag, which was funny. I thought they were like kind of in. <laughs> in joking about the very same thing but uh to me uh thomas Riker, but for a different reason because he had a whole different set of experiences than than william but thomas Riker is a little different so i think it's keeping in the tradition of that idea of two halves of oneself being split apart or maybe he's part of a he's part of a uh packled plot you know we don't know that he was a transporter <gasps> we copy. don't he just know, came up in that shuttlecraft so. They couldn't have put it together so quickly. Those, but if their ones, puppet I, master led... was onto something, <laughs> it's maybe true. maybe Who... William Boimler is the puppet master. Ooh. Uh, there's some there's a lot of uh clues as to what william's fate might be in the trailer i don't know i think you don't like talking about that stuff or you don't like discussing it um because you don't watch the the teasers and the trailers right right yeah i, I try okay. to come into everything as fresh as possible and just let the story hit me and wash I, over me and 
experience it i have that some way. ideas i have some theories uh based on some stuff i saw in the trailer but but i won't go into them uh here just in respect <laughs> it, of your and as i as i mentioned a moment ago like when i do theory craft i end up disappointing myself so that's why i try to avoid it at all costs <laughs> good job uh, but yeah, any anything else on the uh, the B story before we talk about the ending? I feel like we could go on and on just about the Titan and Riker and 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 everything uh, there. It, it's so rich um, with details. So we'll save some of those things, I guess, for the Gorneg sequence. But yeah, I was just really delighted by this. Like, um, and and the more I watch it, the more things I catch. And you know, again, like you said, uh, you said it beautifully when you said like. They really captured the the essence of that um, that uh, you know the sovereign class era, if you will, or like the you know the era with Sternbach and stuff like that. So I, I I was very pleased with it. It just felt right, you know, and it was just a lot of fun too. One thing I'll add is that I don't really buy why does he have to be demoted? I get okay, you don't have room for him on the ship. You have a <laughs> a, a slot back on the Cerritos. He can he can be transferred to. Why does he have to take a step back in rank and become an ensign again? That does not make sense. Like, like does Starfleet not have like room for any lieutenant junior grades anywhere? They're like, we're at our lieutenant junior grade quota. We don't, we we can't promote anyone else right now. We're at max capacity. Right. You got to bump them down to an ensign. Like that, that's that's crazy. I agree. It doesn't make sense. But this one, I just file under the playing for the laughs thing. Like, it's just like one. Did of those you laugh at that? Because I didn't think it was that funny either. <laughs> Really, that's why I laughed at it because it was for the for the same reason that you just said I laughed because it was so absurd. Like it was that kind of a laughter, you know. Like what? This, like that's insane. This whole episode you know, like, it had so much like... growth and it wasn't like sad sack Boimler. And <laughs> but... now we're kind of hitting the reset button, right? We're kind of hitting the reset button. And I don't think you could. I don't think you need to correlate rank with with growth. But we'll see what happens in the next. Right, the but next he he's episodes. still becoming like that sad sack who like he doesn't win at the end of the day. He's got to be like Charlie Brown with the football yanked away. You know, he had like this big victory on the on the mission. <laughs> so I feel like they're kind of undercutting that by giving him the demotion. I think Boiler's going to keep surprising us. I think at the end, I read that scene uh, further along at the end when they reunite as I saw him a little different. He was a little bit more confident. Like, you know, earlier I critiqued uh, that he didn't grab a chair for, for Jet, but there's that part of Boimler that we're not used to. Like, I, you would think that Boimler would be the one to go out of his way to say, like, no, no, you guys hang out. I'll come back. But in this case, he kind of asserted his place with the group. And he like said, we'll get, you know, like, I'm sure we'll talk about that scene in more detail. But to me that I read it differently, like upon a, a subsequent watching where I think he is different and he is that growth is still going to be there. The growth but yeah, is I, still I there, but he's still like they undercut his big victorious moment by yeah. by giving him the, like the demotion at the end. Maybe. Yeah, it's true. I, I agree with that. But like what would happen if he's a lieutenant, right? Like he goes into a different like you know kind of social circle on the cerritos and that might well, be there might have been play, a story to tell that. there right yeah that might have been a, a story to tell there true enough but yeah i still didn't mind i just think they played it for laughs and i kind of brushed it off but you're right it's not logical <laughs> <laughs> but I, you know i want to see them back together so i forgive it and like i said i really like this episode just a few annoying things that happened here at the end that bothered me um pastel pirate is saying they will have different number of pips right she's asking a question yeah, if you're an ensign, you have one gold pip. If yeah. you're a lieutenant junior grade, you have one gold and then one black pip. Black. Or yeah. gold one with a black circle in it. But Center, it, yeah. At least the, the, I guess, to close off on the 
Titan story. It ends on a positive note for Boimler, where he still has earned the the respect of those uh, of the crew uh, of those upper deckers. You know, they were they were like yeah. the senior staff. We have a uh, if, if you look at their pips. Speaking of pips, we're gonna have a lot of pip talk yep. here at the end. But they're a, they're a <laughs> commander, lieutenant commander, and a lieutenant senior lieutenant grade. So senior grade, yeah. Um and uh yeah we have like or that just... beautiful titan uh shuttle bay that that boimler departs from and i like those those titan shuttles they have like really cool looking nacelles that kind of match the titan herself it's just a just a really cool ship it really does look like a more advanced badass high-tech place to be compared to the that goofy clunky cerritos which i love for very different reasons yeah and uh, Boatwreck totally. in the comments says uh, Boimler will continue to be subjugated. I don't know. They they did seem to like really grow him a lot in this <laughs> episode. So I don't th- I don't think he's gonna be like you know like a little whipping boy. Um, in fact, this this last scene they kind of like as a joke they kind of have um have him like going like fetch their drinks and stuff. But it felt very like playful and kind of you know bantery and stuff. And like oh yeah, I guess I owe y'all one for abandoning the ship. And so let's talk about this this end scene back on. On the Cerritos, we have the 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 ending with corn pips and the the big <laughs> the big reset button. Street corn. Uh, I want to clarify something real quick. Just a little fun fact. Um, I said Florida has street corn, but it's incorrect. It's actually I I asked some of my fellow Floridians. It's a Miami thing. Uh, where I live, we have a, a a substantial Mexican population, and so that's why we have street corn in Miami. Yeah, well, we have a lot of street corn in Texas. Like there, there's actually a, yeah. a Pflugerville, uh, a Pflugerville. There's there's a uh, a flea market in Pflugerville, this town that's close to here. <laughs> it has really good street. Cool. Oh, and then there's one in Maynard, which is also uh, close to where I'm at, and they have really good street corn. Uh, but yeah, like like if you go there, like no one speaks English, but like the 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 corn is really good. They're gonna have like that That's little the red chili powder stuff sprinkled on it. Just like don't don't like ask the guy any questions in in English because he's just gonna like look at you like he's mad. Well, Father, yo habla español, so I think we'll be okay when I come to visit. <laughs> well, if, if you if you come, we'll go get some get some uh, street corn from the flea market. Can we put them on as pips? That'll be great. Well, before before we dive into like the stuff with Jet and the pips, let's talk about uh, Malig- Maligmo, the therapist, <laughs> Maligmo. Who's voiced by yeah, Paul Maligmo. F. Tompkins. Maligmo. Who's uh, the co-host on uh, the official Star Trek podcast yes, with, uh, with Tony Newsom, uh, Tony who plays Newsom, Mariner. Yeah. And, and they're really yep. good friends in real life, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I saw that on Twitter when uh, someone was like, hey, Tony, you should have your friend Paul F. Tompkins be on Lower Decks. And then Paul F. Tompkins was like, yeah, I'd love <laughs> to be on that show. And then Mike McMahon commented like, okay. And now like a couple of years later, he's like, oh, yeah, he's actually on the show. <laughs> so it was fun like watching that play out. Apparently, he's going to voice other characters this season, according to the uh, um, the pod. He kind of dropped that hint on there. Okay. So I'm excited to see if I recognize his voice or whatever. But it, I wanted to mention this earlier, and I'm glad you brought up this image because it was kind of heartwarming to see Miglamo sitting in the counselor spot on the Cerritos because it has a similar three chair. Yeah, he, he's know. in like the Troy seat. Like He's in the Troy seat. And it, it just like kind of warmed my heart to see that they... That, that that like structure was there <laughs> well the reason why i wanted to mention him now is because uh he's kind of bothering dr tiana our cation doctor when he's playing with the <laughs> the cation puppet and sickbay they're totally gonna f 
I don't know about that. I mean, she's probably still heartbroken <laughs> with shacks, you know. She's probably still oh, that's like, true. over that. What she called the big big Bajoran beefsteak or whatever. Uh, <laughs> yeah, she did. That's but I just true. I just like that the way the way that they look in animation, you know, it's kinda like that cartoon thing of like cats and birds like don't get along. Like Sylvester <laughs> oh, is always right. trying to eat Tweety Bird type. That's thing. right. That's so I, I would love it if there's just kind of like this natural antagonism. I didn't catch that, but now that you mention it, yeah. Yeah, it's hilarious. If Tiana is just kind of like always mean to uh Maglimo, uh, I would I would love that. I think that would be really funny. You know, if oh Mariner, my God, they're gonna, I think they're gonna do that. That's amazing. Mariner and the Andorian and Jennifer like don't get along. I want that same relationship between That's Tiana right. and Maglimo. I love it. Maglimo, or they they've said Miglimo. it differently. Like the way Tiana pronounced I think it's it was Miglimo. different than anyone else. I like the way I think Tanya Newsom says Miglimo, and so I'm gonna say it that way. Or yeah, like yeah, they say it on the on the podcast a certain way, but. Uh, I don't know. Miglimo Mag- yeah. is what makes sense. Migli, Miglimo, Miglimo, yeah. But the the joke here with the rank pips and the corn that was an acknowledgement of all the animation errors they had in season one. <laughs> I even saw one uh, last week. That episode, I think it was Stevens. <laughs> like his. Why his do you rank- think that happens? That's really funny. I don't know. I guess like the animators at Titmouse for some reason have like a hard time keeping that consistent. I don't know if it's because like the way that like they do it in the computer, they have to, uh, you know, they take like like the certain body types for each character and they have to kind of, you know, manually go in and like remove the pip or add the pip back on. And, you know, sometimes That's like it, it just stays on there, doesn't get changed or what. But uh, yeah, so they've established that anytime you see someone with the wrong number of pips, it just means it's a piece of corn, so don't worry about it. That was like Mike McMahon basically like yelling at people that like me that will complain about it on the internet and be like, shut up, it's just corn, leave it alone, move on. That's genius. <laughs> That's what I'm going to start saying to myself when I start nitpicking. Shut up, it's just corn. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, we we have uh, Jet has now become friends with Mariner and the group, but uh, they're excited to see Boimler to the point to the point that Jet is kind of a gentleman about it. He's like, oh, OK, I see that you all have some catching up to do. I'll just like let you all get back to it. And then they're like, oh, yeah, OK, yeah, get out of yeah. here. And they just kind of brush him off. This, this was so rude. And like I said, my first reaction was like, come on, guys, like that's not very like, you know, Star Trek of you. <laughs> yeah, but they're excited yeah, like... in the heat of the moment. And they, they do take the time to show us Jet hanging out with some other people uh, it, it, <laughs> it, it, right at like the final shot of the episode, I think. So he's Jet is OK. He's going to be fine. You know, he's it's he's true. probably a popular dude on the Cerritos. But yeah, it was cool to see Mariner and Boimler happy to be reunited that their their little friend squad is all back together again i was kind of complaining about hitting the reset button but i like that they are going to kind of you know switch back to to, to friend mode and maybe they'll even be like more friendlier now than they were in you know, season one they they, they had like some uh, an adjustment period where they're you know getting used to each other i think by the way like you know when the season ends it shows they're a little closer than they were at the beginning but even early on you know we see mariner yeah she's giving boimler a hard time and she's still trying to you know like boost his ego when they uh have that ferengi mug them and you know stuff like that so right uh i think i think that that is uh a certain trajectory though of of character growth that i was talking about that i want to see so that is kind of frustrating that they they kind of move boimler like three steps forward then two steps backward but it's 
possibly going to lead to some cool stuff with the the dual Boimlers. I don't know what the end game for that is. I don't know what the big plans are for the show. There's still a bunch of like Mariner mysteries. I, like I want to know like, why does she have a different last name than her parents? You know, <laughs> where did she grow up? Where she saw this cool stuff that she learned? Uh, but but yeah, as far as like their their arc, I I feel like in twelve episodes of this show, there is a clearer, more well defined arc that has had more growth than a lot of Star Trek main cast characters have gotten on previous shows. Yeah, I've heard I've heard that. Uh, Father, whenever I get worried about Boimler, I just remember that we actually know his ultimate fate and that he's the inventor of buffer time and like you know celebrated in the future yeah, that's, that's the far 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 future that's so far like you yeah. don't even know what they're talking about is my head canon of that uh in the in the live audience uh springtime says star trek jet springtime. is the series that nobody asked for but the world deserves uh i don't know if, if jet is that cool of a cat that he deserves his his own show like on the level of, like star trek picard you know star trek jet that's kind of a big deal isn't it weird that it there's two cool jets? Name. There's two jet. There's Jet Reno, and then there's Jet Manhaver. Like there, oh, there's yeah. two Jet's jets in name. Star Trek. That's actually a cool name. I didn't even realize that. That's right. Uh, I might name a future kid Jet. Uh, George Lucas's son, his name is Jet. So oh, the, the one that got shot by clones in Revenge of the Sith. Yes, <laughs> the very one. Exactly. Uh, the the other thing that annoyed me here at the ending, you know, I said like I love this episode, but there were a few annoying things at the ending was the Kayshawn pickup line of the, the Tamarian way of saying you've been running through my mind all day. Uh, but at least like the way that it ended where he is like, I don't know, didn't make a big deal about it. He's just like, ah, oh, Shaka when the walls fell and takes a sip of his drink. What was the what was the actual Tamarian phrase that he says? It was you're somebody at the race of something. It was, it was a new line. There, there, there's a few... There, there's a few uh, Tamarian lines that they they made up for this episode. Like that was one of them, and then I was Zinda, his eyes red. Uh, that was when he's getting zapped, turned into the puppet, and then the uh, Zinda, yeah, they're like when he joined the Seven at the very beginning. So I like that we're gonna get more and more of that stuff. Oddly, I don't know how this happened, but like the first time I watched this episode and when I react to it on on uh boy i didn't i forgot i forgot that he unpuppeted like i don't know why i must have been just i watched it at like three in the morning or whatever so i must have been just like zonked or whatever um and so when folks were talking about how it was like i didn't realize so when i watched it this uh the last two times you know i i definitely get like that you know he's got the wrong approach but i chalk it up to he's like new he's this is his first time he's like a brand new member of the federation he's the first of his kind on the on the ship like his customs the way that tamarians flirt might be completely different than how like you know most people in the federation do so i kind of not that i agree with his behavior and not, not that i'm saying it isn't wrong but i kind of like uh excuse him a little bit and and hope he'll learn i mean it's not you know, like how to like that big of a deal you know, it's just kind of a it's just kind of um an annoying yeah, way i, don't I think to uh <laughs> it's an annoying way to start a conversation with someone and and don't don't use pickup lines like that it's not gonna it's not gonna go well uh but i'll tell you what it's super relatable because like even me uh i try to be super considerate like when i started out like dating and meeting people like i made the same kinds of mistakes where like i thought Oh yeah, like that TV show, the way that they come on to someone, that's the way you're supposed to come on to someone. <laughs> and it was disingenuous and it wasn't like who I really am, and it took me a while to find like myself. So I th I I think it's a relatable thing. I know it's cringy, but I don't think of it as like 
you know, cancel him worthy. Well, Boatwreck is saying cancel him in the comments, but he is, of course, joking. He, he admits yeah. that he's joking. He says he will likely be a cool character. He'll likely be a cool character. I think character. so, too. Yeah, yeah. And Jill47 yeah, is letting us know that Jet Reno has two Ts, so that's the distinction ah, between the two Jets. So if you're talking Thank about- you, Jill. Oh uh, yeah, I love the the recurring character Jet in Star Trek. You have to ask, well, is it one T or two T's? Uh, but just pointing out when we do when we do see Kayshawn, you know, enjoying his drink at the end of the episode, you see Jet hanging out with some folks. So he's Jet is fine. He's got plenty of friends on the Cyrus. Yeah. So don't don't worry about Jet. Uh, anything else on the episode <laughs> before we dive into this plethora, this menagerie no, of corn I... eggs? <laughs> No, I, I think that we covered a lot here. I don't know if the audience has anything else that they want to talk about, but I feel like we 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 nailed it. And 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 having this discussion with you made me really appreciate the episode even more. So uh, I'm excited to get to the corn eggs. <laughs> yeah, it was a good one. Like I said, like uh, a few annoying things kind of hit me in a back to back to back in a small span of time in the last two or three minutes of the episode, but forgivable considering how much I loved everything else. Uh, I, I'm very thrilled uh, to be having weekly conversations about this show again. I look yeah. forward to whatever. I have no idea what happens next week. No idea. And I'll, I'll find out. <laughs> Neither do I. <laughs> Wednesday night at two in the morning here in Texas is when I watch it. So really looking forward to that. Well, okay. Are you, are you ready to get serious? Starfleet boy. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm ready to get serious. It was like dark wing duck. He's like, let's get serious. Okay. I feel like that. Okay. Everyone brace yourselves. If you have like those little belts from like Star Trek three, those little seatbelt things, not seatbelts with his armrest to kind of like fold over you. Everyone like strap down to that on the Excelsior bridge. You know, we're about oh, to yeah, like go into trans war. Yeah. We're, we're going, we're going. By the way, that deep. was in, t- in the motion picture had those little slidey things. Too. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and Star Trek, that, yeah. Star Trek into darkness had like those, uh, belt things that came out of the chair and locked you down so whatever you got yeah we're we're going deep and we're going hard right now are you ready yes i'm ready here we go okay first gorneg we have the sonic showers sonic showers first introduced speaking of star trek the motion picture is introduced there with ilea Uh, we also saw balana using one in star trek voyager next up the collectors were first established in the most toys where we met kevis or kevis Fajo, Fajo. Oh, Kevis Kevis. Fajo. I kept calling him Rivas, but it's Kevis Fajo. Yeah, uh, yeah. He was a th- w- weird dude who apparently all the collectors wanted data because he was a, a rare item. The Tamarian species were first established, of course, in the episode Darmok. And in this episode, we have Kayshawn saying some dialogue that was established there. Things like Darmok and Jalad on the ocean, or Beast at Tanagra, or Timba, his arms open, or Shaka when the walls <laughs> fell. He also mentions that he, he's struggling with Federation Standard. I know that's like appeared in the books and stuff, but I think the only other time Federation Standard was mentioned on screen in canon was Pike in Star Trek Discovery Season 2. No way, uh, that's cool. In the uh, that church episode, like the second episode yeah. of the season that I can't think of the name of right now for some reason. Uh, New Eden. New Eden. There we go. Thank you. That was in New Eden. Yeah. Now to Eden. Uh, no, we have uh, <laughs> Yay, this crazy collection right here. So, so, so to help me uh, go through this, I actually have this <laughs> this beautiful graphic that was prepared by our friend Aaron Harvey. He has an amazing Shout podcast, by the way. Uh, everyone should listen to Drawn to Trek. If you're into animated Star Trek, uh, that is the 
place to talk about not just Lower Decks, but also Prodigy and also some old school, the animated series. But yeah, I'm going to try to just like go through some of the stuff. He has like this this really cool graphic. If you follow him on Twitter at Geek Filter, you can see what I'm talking about. But you know, I'm not going to name every single one of these things, but there are a bunch of paintings that were established in uh, the next generation from uh, Picard and Data. There is uh, the Mars Curiosity rover there's an arcade cabinet. There's a fidget spinner. There's a Nintendo <laughs> Switch. There's a TOS <laughs> ladies lieutenant uniform. Looks like a possible like a Uhura uniform. There's a Gorn egg. There's a, I'm sorry, a Horda egg, a Gorn skeleton, a Magato Sar- skeleton. Did you mention Sargon's uh, <laughs> or whatever they are? Like. No, I think that's a Horda egg. <laughs> oh, it is? Okay, sorry. I mi- I mistook it as Sargon. Sorry, but you're right. It's over there's there. the uh, the Valiant, the that data log from where no man has gone before. Uh, there's the Salt Vampire from the Man Trap. There's a uh, Tindy is holding the Trident Scanner, and also the uh, what is it, the the Curlin Na- Nasikos or whatever from from the Chase, the thing that uh, Picard yeah. got from his old professor. Um, there's the uh little magato head above like a terran empire <laughs> flag uh there's a, a paperback book of the hotel Roy- royale from the royale in the next generation there's a uh mask for the the, the miners wore in that episode the cloud miners of the original series there's a bunch of melee weapons like the vulcan <laughs> lepra and the klingon batleth and khan's necklace of, <laughs> of like the, the Starfleet the Delta, I guess, like belonged to his wife. Uh, <laughs> there is a Class Eight probe. There is the Armin Shimmerman gift box, the Betazoid <laughs> gift box that was played by by Quark actor Armin Zimmerman, Next Generation, Shimmerman, yeah. the episode The Haven. Yeah. Uh, there's that there's the, the game, the video game, yeah, the the, the disc <laughs> and the the cone game from the game, the craft from the Inner Light, yeah, the, the, the probe, probe from the Inner Light the mask from masks uh, odo's bucket <laughs> oh the paper mache uh, picard head this collector's insane by the way <laughs> like, like he seems familiar <laughs> sounds like stuff i would collect <laughs> we have possibly cisco's baseball we have the vulcan baseball hat for the that team the logicians in uh take me yep. out to the hollow suite Neelix's chef Neelix's... outfit, like a, like an apron that he, he wore when he was cooking in the mess hall. And his, and his hat, hat. And his hat. His little hat, yeah. Now, speaking of Voyager, That's there's it. the Cottascott game. Uh, there's the Disintegrator. So that, I don't think I've... I've. What, when does that game come into Voyager? Because I don't think I've, I've Yeah, like, Seven and Naomi play it a lot. Um, okay, so I haven't... Yeah, then, I'm not on there On Discovery, yet, so, yeah. uh, Tilly played it uh, with, uh, with Owo and Detmer. But we didn't see it. They just talk about it. Oh, gotcha. We have Worf's Disintegrator from Star Trek Insurrection. We have the uh, Chateau Picard wine from Star Trek yes, Picard. Yes, I was so happy to see that. Uh, Riker's trombone, or possibly Thomas Riker's trombone. You know, we don't know if this is William right. Riker's. Uh, but that's true. Good I point. think the the shoes, like the the tennis shoes we see, I think that's like Boimler's cool shoes we saw when in Cupid's errant arrow when he's trying to be cool and sexy. Uh, we have a, a Medusan case that you keep a Medusan in. So wait, wait, wait. So they have Boimler's shoes. That means the collector's been like pilfering. Well, I'm sure other people have those shoes. He just replicated a pair. Yeah, it's true. That's a good point. That's a good point. Real quick, Jill said no Picard crystal. Here's the Picard crystal. I have it here, right here for you, Jill. <laughs> so. 
Oh yeah, <laughs> go the, on, the, go. the Picard crystal. <laughs> Um, the Excalibans and the Exc- Excalibin uh, copy of Abraham Lincoln, who died with a arrow in the back, kind of like how he's depicted here in the the collector's muse- museum. Uh, we actually have one of the most infamous props in all of Star Trek: Beverly Crusher's grandma's sex ghost <laughs> candle from Sub Rosa. It, this collector has it. It means Ronan can come back one day, and I'm so excited. I hope not. Ronan deserves to be on Lower Decks. He, he deserves <laughs> to be forgotten. By the way, Jill, Jill, no, Picard Crystal also because he holds it close to his vest, and he's kept it at Chate- Chateau Picard very safe, oh, so that's okay. why it's not in the collection. Yeah, just FYI. <laughs> uh, there is a Ketrasel white container. Yep. Uh, the uh, portrait shows off a similar style to uh, Kivas Fajo. There is a Salot, the Vulcan saber tooth cat thing, uh, skeleton. There's a water polo ball from Captain Archer on Enterprise. <laughs> There's a poker visor. There's the Buzzard Collector, kind of nacelle cap from a Type F shuttlecraft, like an like original series style shuttlecraft. There is. Ter- the Terratin City, the shrunken city from that episode, uh, Terratin of the an- or the, the Terratin incident in the animated series. Oh. Uh, so that's a, that's an amazing deep cut. And, and speaking of the animated series, the best for last is of course the fifty foot tall yes. Spock <laughs> skeleton. Love, love, from love, the love, Infinite love. Vulcan. <laughs> Please make a Halloween T-shirt. <laughs> please star trek please make a halloween t-shirt would be amazing (laughs) i would so i would so wear that or or we should do cosplay as as spock too can we call boiler boiler too as well aaron aaron harvey who literally wrote the book on the animated series he 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 deserves so much praise for uh helping to preserve all that information about the animated series because it was kind of forgotten yes you know if if someone hadn't been trying to collect it all and preserve it it probably would have just disappeared as you know people uh, aged and died off or whatever yeah the animated series has had its ups and downs like i remember at one point uh speaking of what's canon and not canon there was like a huge debate about whether or not the animated series was ca- well canon it is canon not. and as aaron yes, points out in the I book <laughs> it's technically always been canon even that like yes gene roddenberry did say for a little bit like oh it shouldn't count as canon but yeah if everything Gene Roddenberry didn't like didn't count as canon, then Trouble with Tribbles, The Wrath of Khan, The Undiscovered Country, none of that would be canon. So, uh, there you have it. Yeah, it was there on screen. It. it was canon. And Lower Decks clearly is uh, willing to reference it. And, well, just just the, uh, the, the way that this went down is Aaron told me I was talking to him. And, and again, thank you, Aaron, for letting us uh, use this and for putting all this together so quickly. Uh, but he went to the premiere of Lord X Season 2 uh, a couple of weeks ago. And when he saw this, they showed the first two episodes. When he saw this afterwards, he was talking to Mike McMahon and he said, like, oh, my God, why did you do that? You didn't have to kill giant Spock. And Mike McMahon said, you know, he's so old, though. This is so many years later. This is over 100 years later. So I don't know. Would a giant 50-foot-tall clone live longer or shorter? I don't know. I think shorter. Giant <laughs> giant people in general have shorter lifespans. That's what I would so it think. Sense. But I don't like, know. He could have been, like, yeah. super-powered and genetically enhanced. Like, the scientist who made him, the, the dude who made him was supposed to be from, like, Khan's era, from, like, the 1990s, and he was still alive. Oh, wow. We got to revisit that episode. But also, he has, like, a shot in the middle of his chest. I like to think that uh, Spock 2 went down fighting <laughs> and, uh, you know, <laughs> and, like, so maybe he maybe he, he was, like, protecting someone what, or what something. What makes him or, even weirder yeah. is he was created by Walter Koenig. 
lightning because that episode uh the the infinite vulcan was written by Chekhov actor walter Koenig. no way that's amazing that's like a super amazing connection i love that type i love uh connectivity and and threads that through lines throughout star trek and this is just one of those like beautiful moments that people are going to be talking about this stuff and speculating about it and it's a great it's a real great uh moment and it and it's a gag and again it it plays to that thing where it's a gag but it's reverential and it's like how do they pull that off it's amazing it's so good all right well uh i have a few more gorn eggs i'm gonna try to knock them all out rapid fire then uh about uh five minutes or less we have the Riker pose when they celebrate defeating the Packled ship. That is, of course, the famous Riker maneuver uh, and uh, is often seen throughout the next generation. When they arrive on the collector ship, the commissioner asks them, what took you so long, Starfleet? Were you off trying to debate the human rights of a robot? That was a reference to <laughs> Measure of a Man in which Captain Picard defended the rights of Data to be classified as a, a life form. And the whole premise of Star Trek Picard. Uh, we've already talked about the Kalos fornication helmet, but that is, of course, connected to Kalos the Unforgettable, first established in the original series episode, The Savage Curtain. More on Savage Curtain in a little bit. In Riker's conference room aboard the Titan, there are some gold little miniature ships uh, in the background that we see on the walls, but it's at a really weird angle. We can't tell exactly what they are, or I can't tell. So I'm not going to I'm not going to try to label them. Well, I, I think one of them looks like a rocket. So maybe that's like an old Titan rocket from the 1950s. I agree with uh, Jurg who posted what they are. And he he got the help of um, Tadeo de Oreo. A bunch of folks got together and helped. And it seems like it was like given the stamp of approval because someone who works on Lower Decks kind of like acknowledged that it might be the case. Yeah, but so the might, first thing might is have the been Titan someone who didn't like really know the ships because not everyone who works on the um, show is going to care about that. So. The Titan, the the first one all the way in the end there is the Titan rocket. Um, I don't oh, know. That's what I said. Like that. That's what I just said. Yeah. So you were correct uh, about the, that. Is the next one an Excelsior class? Because that's what it kind of looks like to me. No, the one that's there that you see is the uh, um, uh, Jeffrey's uh, mock up for the one of the early early designs for the Enterprise okay. uh, that was like pre you know when they were planning it out. And it kind of looks like. It kind of. I wish I had it to pull up for you, but I'll I'll send you the tweet. But yeah, it's pretty much confirmed that it's that. The one behind the first officer there is likely the USS uh, Titan, which was in the FASA role playing game, and so now it's canon, it's canonized or whatever or official. And then that's called the USS Titan. It was a TOS era ship, and it was I forget what the class of the ship was, but it's it's a FASA one, and the Franklin is based on it, so it kind of looks like the okay. Then what's the last one? And the last one is the Titan okay. itself. This one like, is, is this Titan. Okay. So there you well, go. Well, that all sounds plausible to me. Excellent. Back on the collector's ship, the commissioner tells Rutherford that he has a top-notch menagerie. Of course, referencing the menagerie. That was the two-part story from the original series that used footage of the original pilot, the cage. The shuttlecraft that the undercover team takes down to the mining planet is named the the coal train so yeah and it uh, yeah like after yeah i cool. can assume that that's probably named after john coltrane the jazz musician 100%. uh and maybe all the shuttlecraft on the titan are named after jazz people <gasps> so that means there's a bird probably or <laughs> like it'd be lots of different things that's so cool i wonder what they're gonna do 
uh, yeah, I think that'd be really cool if like Riker put that part of his personality, you know, in, into the ship. If, into the naming the, of the shuttles. The, the, yeah. the captain probably gets to name the shuttles because Cisco got to name the runabouts at Deep Space Nine. Oh yeah. So like Picard named the shuttles like what was it the El Baz and like it's like that's cool. Well, traditionally, like, shuttlecraft that. are named after ex- explorers, so they're named explorers, like, yeah, or, or scientists, so they're named like Galileo or Cochrane. Um, Cochrane, yeah. But uh, Lord X has kind of bent that rule because we have the California class ships named their shuttles after parks in California. Yeah, and the, and DS Nine, it's all rivers. It's the Yancey. Yeah, and but the those Gangue those are runabouts. Runabouts are different than shuttlecraft because runabouts, runabouts have their own registry number and they're technically a starship. Ah, okay, gotcha. But well Cisco said. got to name them. <laughs> I already mentioned the Excalibans uh, before, but they they get a little bit more. And spotlight. did you see Lincoln back there? Yeah, we have the uh, an actual like. Excalibur and the remains of the the Lincoln copy. All that was from the Savage Curtain. Uh, when so good. when Boimler says that he loves that Riker got to do uh, when he when he is catching love disease and playing the trombone, but also he was in plays. I think that was a reference to the episode Frame of Mind, which I actually hate that episode. Yep. I it's a very hard one for me to watch. But that that was the one where Riker is going crazy, but he's also like doing a lot of play acting. And in Riker's ready room, we see on his desk uh, Thaddeus Riker, the old Civil War soldier's cap yep. from the from the Union Army in the Civil War. We also see a Oberth starship statue, so that was a connection to the Voyager episode Death Wish, as well as the Oberth class originally established in my favorite Star Trek movie, Star Trek Three. Well, nice. And then at the end, when Riker and William <laughs> Boimler are sipping some Romulan L. They are going to listen to the song Nightbird. That was the song that Riker could never learn how to play properly Land. on the trombone. Yeah, exactly. And that's all the Gorneggs. And I do have two um, subspace transmissions I want to read really quick before we sign off. Just I asked people, you know, what did they think of the episode last week? And I have a couple of responses. I only have time to go through two of them. Um, but if you have any thoughts on this episode, be sure to comment, hit me up on Twitter, on Facebook. I'll have like posts that you can reply to, and we might share your thoughts next week if we have time. Our friend Robbie Earl Grey Trekkie said about last week's episode, I thought the first five minutes were spectacular and the rest was great too. It maybe wasn't the flashiest opener, but it did the important things right, developed multiple characters well, and left us a terrific cliffhanger to go back to. And uh, that was on Twitter. Then on YouTube, Stress Free K commented. This was talking about Brian had asked last week, uh, was Mariner's attack on Ransom supposed to be some symbolism of, you know, fighting against toxic masculinity? Stress Free K, longtime member of the Text Trek audience, said, That's actually a very fascinating point about toxic masculinity, because it took three women working together to quell this one dude's massive ego and self-aggrandizement, each trying different strategies, which probably happens in real life too. And so for some guys, you probably do have to come down on them with a ton of bricks. Stroking the ego or repeated jabs just won't do the trick. In the Gary Mitchell episode, the female who got the god complex didn't seem to blow completely out of proportion like Gary did, so yeah, Lower Decks was definitely driving the point home right through Ransom's gonads. The Gary Mitchell stuff <laughs> did make me feel uncomfortable too, but it was a really good point they were making. So yeah, maybe that had some commentary on, I don't know, fragile male egos. Uh, that seems to be what Stress Free yep. K is getting at. Uh, but let us know what you nice. think. Or I dig it. 
not just about that, but about that episode last week or this episode this week or whatever. Real quick, Fathery. So the other shuttle, the other shuttlecraft should be uh, Charlie Parker. Charlie Parker. Parker. So there should be a Parker. What, what would yeah, you name 100%. a shuttlecraft if you were a captain of a ship? Let us know. Yeah, that. I like that question. Let us know. <laughs> uh, but I think that's it for Text Trek this week. We will, of course, be back next week, 7.30 p.m. Central uh, and available wherever you get your podcast. And until next time, as always, live long and prosper, y'all. Listen to the Text Trek podcast through Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or at text-trek.com. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash text-trek. And follow Fathery on Twitter at TXTrek. Please support us by liking our videos and subscribing to our channel on YouTube. Thank you and take care.